You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Make noise! It's Making Monsters with Taylor Dahl. It's like beer and brats, a perfect combination. You know the deal. All right, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Making Monsters. We are continuing on our uh, quarterback talk as the Bears are making a lot of decisions right now. If they're keeping Justin Fields, if they're drafting a quarterback, I know Caleb Williams sits at the top of most people's uh, big boards for quarterback rankings, but there's a lot of good quarterbacks in this league, and some people want to know a little bit more about the others that the Bears could possibly take. But in addition to that, there's other guys around the league that are in positions that the Bears also need to fill this season, and we're talking about uh, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, some cornerbacks, wide receivers. All of those positions are kind of ones that we're honing in on. So we are going to continue on today. I am joined by Preston Guy. He covers LSU football and recruiting at Tiger Bait. So Preston, thanks so much for hopping on with me. Hey, thanks for having me. No problem. Uh, we're going to get right into this. Obviously, big, uh, fantastic season for Jaden Daniels. Heisman Trophy winner this season. Um, so just a little bit background if people maybe don't know. He spent his first couple seasons at Arizona State, but really found his success at LSU and was really able to kind of just find his groove this last couple seasons there, especially this last season. Uh, so let's talk about the first season, though, a little bit, Preston, with LSU. Brian Kelly, new to the system, kind of building out his own staff and team. Tell us a little bit about that offense that season. Um, Jaden Daniels, he completed 68.6% of his passes for 2,913 yards in 14 games. Uh, only 17 touchdowns that season, but also only threw three picks. Uh, used his legs a ton, as he does, and setting a record for rushing yards and rushing touchdowns. But tell us a little bit about how that LSU offense worked that first season with him and what he was able to do in year one. Yeah, that LSU offense in 2022 was just, you know, it, it was – an amalgam of a bunch of new pieces playing together, including Jaden Daniels, who left Arizona State from the transfer portal. Of course, Jaden, uh, I call it a good, not great season from him. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, we're, he was knocking on the door of 4,000 total yards. Mm-hmm. Um, and had, you know, once you account for his rushing touchdowns, he had close to about 30 touchdowns. So it wasn't a bad season, but there were certain points during the year where he didn't necessarily uh, excel and had, you know his defense gave him opportunities to win games and the offense just couldn't score enough points like that Texas A&M game or like that Florida State game opener where mm-hmm. you know they they lost by a single point 24 to 23 and the offense really had no identity for much of the game but you could see shades of greatness in him. For instance, in that Florida State game, he gets the ball down seven points on his own one-yard line with 90 seconds to go, and what does he do but lead his team down the field for the would-be game-tying field goal uh, as 
time expired, by yeah. the way. I mean, yeah. it, was, it was miraculous. It really was. But then the kicker just misses the extra point. And that just goes to show you how little chemistry there was on that team in mm-hmm. 2022. And uh, in 2023, you could see early and often that chemistry with everybody was through the roof better. There was no Keishon Butte distraction where, you know, he was coming into the season expecting to be a first-round draft pick, mm-hmm. ended up being a sixth-round draft pick because, you know, quite frankly, he just wasn't as good as he was built up to be, yeah. and they were trying to force-feed him the ball. So getting that out of the way and <clears throat> working with guys like Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas, who are actually looking like first-round draft picks really opened things up in a big way to where he was exceptional this last season. Yeah, and we'll definitely get to both of those guys because those are names that we're looking at uh, for sure in Chicago. Talking about this past season, uh, the mobility factor and using his legs continued. Uh, Over 1,100 rushing yards, 10 rushing touchdowns. But what really shined for a lot of people was that the passing yards and touchdowns massively increased for for him this year. 40 touchdowns, uh, just four picks still, so one more pick than the previous season with a lot more touchdowns. What what did you see? I know you were talking about just kind of the chemistry and the connection between the team in general. But was there anything within him that you saw also just improve between those two years to just see this massive leap in, in the passing side of things? Yeah, his personal growth. So obviously the offense grew a lot around him. Mm-hmm. His offensive line got tremendously better. His receivers played a lot better. Um, and, and the team just gelled around him. The emergence of Logan Diggs at running back was a real booster to him because really the year before they didn't have any consistent running game outside of Jaden running the ball. So this year where Jaden improved was his deep ball. Okay. And it wasn't necessarily that he was bad at throwing it the year before, but he just didn't take too many shots downfield. I think he was a little gun shy because he, you know, at Arizona State he threw ten interceptions uh, the year before coming to LSU. He had a ten touchdown, ten interception season. It was really bad, and I think he got a little gun shy. He averaged eight point nine yards per target, right? Um, which actually would have put him like one hundred twentieth in the country, mm-hmm. something to that effect. Well, that was a point of focus this offseason, and he improved in a big kind of way. He actually got to where he was one of the best deep ball throwers in the country. One of the one of the stats that really spoke volumes as his Heisman campaign got up and going is these aren't just, you know, dink and dunk, typical 5-10 yard throws he's making out here. He's he's leading the country in 20-plus yard plays. He had more 20-plus yard plays than any other team in the country. And we're talking individually he did than any other team uh, going uh, after the uh, Texas A&M game. So, um, you know, it it truly was impressive how he he stretched the field. And I'm talking these deep balls, a, a lot of these had next to no room for error. And he he just put it on a needle, Mm -hmm. right on the dot, deep down the field. You can see that on his highlight reel. These are not guys running open by 20 yards a lot of times. A lot of times he's threading that needle down there. He's putting it right over the defender's head, and he almost always needed to as well because – his defense really wasn't giving him much help either. Yeah, and that was actually the next thing I was going to say because the the LSU defense definitely struggled uh, last season, and the Tigers oftentimes were coming back from being down 
Um, Jaden kind of having to play hero ball a little bit later because he was playing from behind or having, you know, playing um, a team that is also scoring a ton of points. So what did you see from him in those moments when he needed to play catch up or make the big plays to kind of keep, keep them in these situations or keep them in some games? Yeah, there was really no situation where um, I felt it was too big for him. I think he mm-hmm. stepped up and played as well as he could. If you look in all three of the losses, I mean, he averaged over about 370 yards per game in those losses, mm-hmm. uh, over three touchdowns in each one of those. Really was not his fault. Um, Florida State was the only one that really got away from him. Ole Miss, <laughs> I mean – Everything they threw at him, he just came back and responded, mm-hmm. you know, every single time. And that, that I mean, your defense gives up 55 points, and he still had LSU in a position where they're, you know, 26 yards out mm-hmm. from from winning the game and had his receiver caught the Hail Mary heave, which it did hit him in both his hands, but he just had too many <laughs> defenders around him. Um, had he caught that, LSU would have won that game. Yeah. So Jaden did everything he could to win that game. Uh, in the Alabama game, uh, you know, LSU found themselves in a tough spot. He did throw an interception late in that game, and it just showed. I mean, he was playing incredibly well. Um, and then dug himself into a, d- a double-score deficit, and he was driving back. He was about to cut it to one score, but then he just took a, a big, nasty hit uh, in what I think was should, should have been called targeting. But he got knocked out of that game, and then – bounce back next week to have an unprecedented game against Florida where he he just hung, I think it was 400 yards and 250 yards rushing. He was all over the place. Yeah, I remember that game. That one was, I was like, wow, this kid is good. We talked about just how much his numbers when it comes to the passing game has improved, but it's definitely something you don't want to shy away of when it comes to him being a dual threat guy and how much he can do with his legs. Um, maybe for some of the people that didn't watch much LSU football or still just kind of learning what that offense was like, what did they do for Jaden? Were there designed runs for him? How did he perform when it was like unscripted when he had to take off? Um, because some people panic yeah. that a lot of the questions with Justin Fields right now, uh, because obviously he's super mobile too. He can run all over the place and sometimes he makes incredible plays, but sometimes people believe he takes off too early and runs rather than going th- through uh, his progressions fully and things like that holds the ball too long. Are those any are those concerns with Jaden? Are those things you've seen? Uh, what did LSU do with him to when it comes to that run game? Okay, so in terms of getting a little happy footed, that was a problem of 2022, Jaden Daniels. Okay, he, he did actually rely on his legs a little bit too much and would get a little happy feet and take off. And you know, sometimes it was there and sometimes it wasn't. You know, sometimes he would just break off for two or three yards when. You know, if you had been a little more patient, you could have found an open receiver and used your legs to buy some time. 2023, he was fantastic okay. with this. I mean, it, it was truly uh, a dramatic improvement in terms of he really was looking to pass first, right? And then if something was open, he knew what kind of athlete he was, and he just took it. And uh, usually it would be for right, a massive games. Mm-hmm. Most of his yardage is – running the ball is improvised yardage. It really wasn't too much dialed up runs. It was him seeing something open and, you know, seeing a lane and and going for it. You know, uh, the the dialed runs would, you know, the runs they called in were mostly like 
you know, third and short, uh, goal line situation, yeah. you know, plays where you really needed to have it. They did call a few of those to Jaden, but, but overwhelmingly it was just him scrambling and, and making something happen with his legs. But, um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say this year he got too happy footed yeah. with it at all. I think he improved a lot. That speaks volumes, I think, too, to what you were talking about in the beginning with the comfort, too, because when you are on a new team with a new offense and new weapons around you and a new coach and all of these things, and sometimes when you just want to make the play, you'll, they'll take off. If you can, if you're a fast guy and know you can run, they'll do that. Um, so it's nice to know that once he did find comfort in his offense, he was able to settle in a little bit, uh, which is what you would like to hear, and that's kind of what people have been hoping we'd see a little bit more out of fields in year three um, but there's a lot of disagreements in Chicago on why that's been happening uh, when you are if you were to do a player comparison when you're talking about because there's a, a, several NFL guys right now that are dual threat quarterbacks um, what would you say if you had to the playing style is the closest when it, if it comes to a Jalen Hurts a Lamar Josh Allen Justin Fields any of those guys register or do you think he's just a different type yeah, I, I, if you made me pick one, I'd go with Lamar Jackson. Okay. Um, the I think Jaden Daniel, he's going to enter the league and be the best running quarterback outside of Lamar Jackson in the NFL day okay. one. Um, um, and I, I think that makes him an easy comp. He reminds me a bit of RG three okay. throwing the ball because he he can push the ball deep downfield probably better than Lamar could out of college. So, uh, but I also think he's a bit of a better runner than RG three was coming out. Now you have, to, I, I hate to make the RG three comp because immediately your thought goes to injury and, mm -hmm. and stuff like that, which Jaden does need to do a better job protecting himself. He, he took some nasty blows at LSU. Mm -hmm. He, you know, it took him a while to <clears throat> really learn to slide. Um, and, and that's something he's going to have to improve on is, is protecting his body because he is a thinner guy. He's, you know, probably right at 205 pounds on a 6'3 frame. You know, he, he he's thin. And yeah. I don't know how much he can bulk up and remain as mobile as he can. So he's going to have to do some stuff to, to keep himself protected. Yeah, because these guys are um, get they're definitely getting hit out there, and that's what one of the things we've seen Justin almost a hundred times getting sacked this last two seasons. So not ideal. You would hope that you know the the line continues to get fixed because that's kind of what happened in Baltimore. They they built that lineup in front of Lamar, so he wasn't having to take all of those hits because that was a big concern of him for a while. Um, let's chat about some of the other Tigers. He one name very popular on draft boards and in Chicago. Um, and as last year pointed very obvious, the Bears need another offensive weapon. DJ Moore, Cole Komet, fantastic. Beyond that, it kind of was a big drop. And Malik Neighbors is someone who's sitting on the top of those the, those draft boards. A lot of people have them. The Bears mocked to get him at pick nine, uh, with because obviously they have two picks in the top ten. So he fifteen hundred yards this season, over fifteen hundred yards this season. The thing that popped out to me big yeah. time was averaging seventeen point six yards of reception. 14 touchdowns, uh, the correlation and success, obviously, between Neighbors and Daniels, you, you could just see that they were on the same page almost every single play, and, and that's obvious. But what do you believe led to that big increase in touchdowns for Neighbors this season? Do you think it was that connection, or do you think he was also getting better uh, at, at a lot of things too? Well, number one, you know, you, you cleared up the receiving room for him to emerge as your clear number one guy. Okay. In 2022, like I said, you came into the season 
and Butte was your assumed first round stud, right? And it really took you a few games to figure out, uh, I don't think he's the same guy he was as a freshman. I think the injuries or the focus, just something is awry there with Keyshawn Butte. Mm -hmm. So getting him out of the way and letting neighbors take over, be the true number one guy, really opened some things up. I think what really helped neighbors a bunch, though, is number one, an improved offensive line, giving Jaden some more time. Mm -hmm. Number two, Jaden was throwing the ball deep, you know, and Malik was getting open and, and Jaden was able to hit him. Uh, you know, I think he was a pretty quality receiver his whole time at LSU. Um, what what really strikes me, though, about Malik Neighbors is, you know, the character he has. In that Florida State game uh, in 2022 where LSU lost by one point on the missed, you know, that blocked extra point I told you about, mm-hmm. um, they muffed two punts and gave it back to Florida State, and those were both Malik neighbors. Um, and immediately on that 99-yard drive that Jaden Daniels led to, to you know, get the would-be tying uh, touchdown, the first receiver he looks to on that drive is Malik neighbors. Yeah. So <laughs> the fact that Malik neighbors could bounce back from a game like that and be such a go-to guy moving forward – I think that speaks volumes. I Definitely. think he was the best receiver in the country this year. A lot of people talked about Marvin Harrison Jr. Mm-hmm. And they brought up a good point. Well, you know, Jaden Daniels. Th- Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, to uh, Malik Neighbors, okay, but, you know, Kyle McCord was throwing to Marvin Harrison. Of course, (laughs) you know, it's a little tougher to, you know, to put up numbers with Kyle McCord. And (laughs) and they're right. I would counter the argument with Marvin Harrison Jr. didn't have to split grabs with a guy like Brian Thomas. Their next leading receiver had like 400 yards. Brian Thomas was phenomenal Mm -hmm. this year. 
So the fact that you had two guys out there to, to spread the ball around to was huge. Yeah, and I definitely want to get to Brian Thomas, too. Was um, the return, did he return often, neighbors, or was that just something they maybe shied once away from? He muffed that, yeah, once he muffed that second punt, he never returned okay. a kick again. All right. He was like, I probably don't want to do this anymore. Um, he probably didn't want to. He's <laughs> like, you know what? I'm good. <laughs> let's just let me catch the balls like uh, in the normal offense. Um, yeah. Let's a little bit. Uh, you know, ton- it's funny. They actually had to turn to a walk on to return kicks. Really? The, basically the next two years. Yeah. They didn't have a true kick returner. They've had terrible luck getting a kick returner. Listen, we've had some struggles in Chicago, too. They, they drafted Valus Jones a couple seasons ago. Valus has muffed several returns, and it's gotten to the point where the Bears are all, have just been struggling trying to find that, too. Uh, we all kind of joke where we're like, okay, well, we had Devin Hester, and then now we're cursed and can never have yeah. anybody who can return yeah. anything again. Um, but let's talk about some of his strengths because there's a, a long list of things that Na- uh, Malik Neighbors is really good about. Uh, they talk about they a lot of the term that I've seen is just completely complete package wide receiver because explosiveness, acceleration, strength, all of that. And that's also led to him being a a better route runner too, that you've seen this last season, especially. Um, And you just mentioned one of the wide receivers in Marvin Harrison that also sits up there. Roma Dunze is another one that a lot of people like. Um, Those are kind of the main guys to watch in this class. But how do you think he compares to those guys? I know you just talked about Marvin, but from what it seems like you're saying, he's pretty close to both Marvin and Roma Dunze not better yeah i mean absolutely uh you know it, it, you, you ask about like the the strengths of malik neighbors and he's really such a well-rounded athlete is he sure-handed check it, you know is he a fast dynamic athlete check can he can he catch the deep ball absolutely uh is he a solid route runner a hundred percent um i will say you know he, he he's more of um an open, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of how to say this. He's not like a Randy Moss, go up and get okay. it, leaping type long receiver. He is going to be a faster receiver, good, you know, at, at getting the ball with some space and, and making something happen with it. Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily look at him as like a, you know, a, a slot type receiver either. Okay. I, I would say he's an outside receiver, no doubt. Okay. Yeah, not technically the contested catches 50-50 guy, but he'll create separation for you, so you don't need it as much for him. Is that what you're thinking? I I think, I don't know if it's necessarily a contested catch. It's just, uh, and I'm not saying he's necessarily bad at this either, but I just don't know that, you know, he's going to have the, you know, 6'5 frame and Mm -hmm. with a 40-inch vertical, like a Calvin Johnson type super long receiver. You know what I mean? I think he is more of a speedy guy, but I mean, he can certainly go up and get some balls. I mean, it sounds cliche, but he really is a very well-rounded receiver. Yeah. I mean, he can do a lot of everything and, and fit in a lot of different places, too. Yeah, and that's a lot of things that I've heard, and that's why a lot of people are kind of saying, because with the Bears, with that ninth pick, him being able to probably be available there and then also just kind of plugging into being that other guy across DJ Moore. I feel like a lot, a lot of people think it'd be a really good fit. Um, you talked about big receivers. Uh, that's uh, Brian Thomas, bigger receiver oh, yeah. than who Neighbors is, uh, 6'4", I believe he is, somewhere around there. But 17 mm-hmm. touchdowns this season for almost 1,200 yards he had, and that's what you just mentioned earlier. He had two guys who were producing this way on LSU's offense, and that's really, really fun to watch. That's why their offense was uh, probably one of the more explosive offenses in, in 
in college football, but how much of an advantage for LSU was it having both of these guys on the football field at the same time? It was a tremendous advantage. Uh, I mean, it gave Jaden a lot of options on a lot of plays, and it opened up a lot of uh, the other guys to to get open on, on other stuff. And it got to the point where LSU had a really good tight end, Jason Taylor's son, Mason Taylor. He hardly got the ball at all, not because – he he wasn't good or anything. It's just one of those two guys was open on just every play, just mm-hmm. about. And the offense really became receiver centric because the receivers were so darn good. Yeah, well, and that's why LSU had the number one offense in the country. And LSU actually, I think it was uh, the third best offense in SEC history this year. Wow. That's that's fun. And they were definitely a fun team to watch. I know I, I'm in Florida now, so the SEC country down here. And um, they, I mean, LSU was just definitely a fun fun team to watch, and especially offense, I guess mainly offensively. But tell us a little bit more about Brian Thomas. What type of receiver would you explain him as, and what do you think yeah. will be able to transfer over to the NFL? Brian Thomas is a little wet, less well-rounded. He's more of a deep ball threat. Okay. Um, he's not going to run. He's he's not going to run as crisp as routes. He's a little, you know, more of a speed, less of a quick receiver. You know, I mean, he he's not saying he's faster than Malik Neighbors. He probably isn't as fast as him, but he's more of a straight line speed type guy who's going to have some mobility to 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 make cuts. But he's a bigger receiver. He's a taller receiver, and he is a guy who's going to go up and get it a little bit better the Malik neighbors. Um, Very sure-handed, especially toward the end of his careers where (laughs) Jaden Daniels was hitting him on a lot of these deep balls where he was having to catch him in stride on his fingertips, like without slowing down at all because Mm -hmm. that was the kind of accuracy he was getting hit with. So he is a good receiver. I think he is going to be one of the bigger value picks in this draft. I, I expect both Malik and and Jaden will be gone in the top 10. That might not be the case for Brian Thomas. He mm-hmm. could be sticking around. He'll probably be more of a top 20 pick. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think a team, you know, a good team could get their hands on him. I mean, they'll, he, he'll make a good reward for them because, I mean, he's just a solid player, big-bodied guy. You mm-hmm. know, receive, Quarterbacks love having a guy who, who, who's got a big catch box. And, oh, definitely. and that's exactly what he brings to the table, you know. So, yeah, sometimes sometimes even if your accuracy isn't the best in the world, you got a radius like his. Yeah. Uh, it makes, makes it a little that. easier. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what happens to LSU's offense now without these three guys who have just been, I mean, absolutely incredible this last season? Yeah. Yeah, LSU's got to turn the page, and they lose their offensive coordinator, Mike Denbrock, who decided mm-hmm. to go back home to Notre Dame. Um, they had to turn – I mean, the good news is in the bowl game, we got to see uh, Malik Neighbors actually only played, I think it was three series. He got in, he broke the LSU career record for uh, receiving yardage, and Brian okay. Kelly pulled him out. He said, you're done. you got to go to the NFL. This bowl game doesn't mean enough. Jaden Daniels opted out, and Garrett Nussmeyer still went out there and passed for 395 yards. So it seems like this offense is really in a good position. They bring back four out of five of that offensive line that was so good this year. Mm -hmm. Um, And they've got a lot of young. Kyron Lacey steps up, and he'll probably be your number one receiver. They bring in C.J. Daniels from Liberty. Um, uh, 
Like Chris Hilton is a guy who's a real speed, deep threat kind of guy who had a real good connection with Nussmeyer all fall camp. We'll see. Most people aren't expecting the offense to miss a beat. I don't think anybody with a reasonable sound mind is going to think that they're going to replicate what they did last year with the third best off SEC offense of all time mm-hmm. and a Heisman winner and, and yeah. you know number one offense in the country. But um, uh, there is some expectation that they're, yeah. they're going to be pretty good. I mean, if, if Nussmeyer can keep on cooking, I mean, that that Wisconsin defense in the bowl game that they played in the bowl, I mean, they were only a 7-5 and five team, but their defense was in the top 35 nationally, so not, not a terrible defense they were going against. And Nussmeyer was fantastic, as were all the receivers. Now, Brian Thomas did play all that game, so he'll have to be without him. But uh, I think the offense will be fine. Uh, so you mentioned who was it that you said played just to they were set trying to hit a certain Malik neighbors neighbors okay that's Malik what I thought neighbors yeah how did you because I remember there was kind of some people upset about that at some point was it uh, was it like a mutual thing between Brian Kelly and neighbors of hey let's hit this mark so you can have this mark and then we'll take you out you know Malik neighbors um, is very very passionate especially about LSU he grew yeah. up loving LSU up. I talked to his mom a couple times about it, and he cried in his last game uh, in Tiger Stadium because he was just so sad to see it go. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think he really wanted to be out there. Brian Kelly claims it was a his decision thing. It was, hey, you've got nothing to gain by playing this game. You're going to be the first or second or third receiver off the board. Yeah. You're done. That's what he claims. We have no idea what that conversation looks yeah. like behind the scenes. But I'm just telling you what's out there is he's a very passionate kid. Um, you know, I, I could see him saying, screw this. I'm playing with my boys. We're, we're going to go <laughs> at it. Um, and I could see Brian Kelly, you know, doing what he said. But, yeah. you know, uh, I, I don't think players choosing to protect themselves really nope. – has has hurt their draft stock much in these days at least. Yeah, and we're definitely we're seeing it more and more when it comes to bowl games now because I think when when you have seen those rare occasions where someone gets injured in a bowl game and then they're having to and they're supposed to be drafted high or they're having to miss a large portion of their rookie season if not yeah. the entirety it's it's definitely not worth it um for some of these guys because that's their the rest of their lives their career they're looking at uh, President, I want to talk about one more guy with you before I let you go because it's another position the Bears are going to be looking at, uh, defensive tackles. LSU, as we mentioned earlier, defensively did struggle, but Makai Wingo had a good season. He he sits like late 50s, oh, yeah. early 60s on the big board, about the sixth interior guy on a lot of the list I've seen, fifth, sixth. Um, so tell us some of his strengths. How do you think he'll make that move to the NFL after kind of what was what he was surrounded by at LSU last year? Yeah, Makai Wingo was a guy, he was really one of the few bright spots on that defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, a high-motor defensive tackle. Uh, he got hurt. Uh, I think it was the Alabama game he got hurt. So he missed the last four games or so. Um, and then he played in the bowl game. Uh, and, and he he's an undersized defensive tackle. He, he's probably about six feet tall. Um, but he's just a guy who plays with really good leverage and technique. Um, and, and makes a lot of plays. Uh, solid player. 
I think if you're getting a guy like that around 50 or 60, you're getting a pretty good value mm-hmm. from a guy. And he's also a really smart player. One of my favorite players to interview while at LSU just because he's so articulate, so smart. So any system, any playbook, he, he's going to pick up. He's going to be a great locker room guy. Um, but, you know, if you can get him, you know, and you're talking, you know, back end of the, the second or, or third round, yeah. I think you're bringing in a pretty good player. Yeah, it's an interesting one to me because it's definitely something the Bears need to address that. They need an edge guy, but they also, I think, need a little bit more on the inside. They got Javon Dexter from Florida last year. Javon had a really good season, um, but they just need somebody in the middle that's able to create some pressure from the inside, and I do think it will help those outside guys a little bit more. And that's something you saw from him this last season. You saw his pressures from the inside and his sacks both increase, um, and that's with not much helping him. So imagine if LSU mm-hmm. had a little bit more around him. Um, but was that something you noticed, the, those pressures and him able being able to find the ball and find the quarterback that increase within these last two seasons? You know, um, this last season, honestly, a lot of times it, it was it was pretty miserable uh, watching mm-hmm. the defense as a whole try to get anything going. But a lot of times, you know, that defensive line, it would be Makai Wingo basically the only one really getting much pressure yeah. uh, a lot of times. And a lot of times he probably should have had an even bigger impact. It's pretty easy to scheme around one high-performing player. Yeah. You know what I mean? So a, a lot of times it was probably quieter than it should have been just because of that. Because mm-hmm. um, uh, LSU's defensive line really was a mess yeah. this year, uh, especially after Makai Wingo got hurt, became an even bigger mess. You know, w- one of the things that stands out, LSU's uh, defensive line coach got um, a, a terminal in- illness of some sort before the season. Oh, my goodness. And they had to shuffle around some guys and, and had to put John Janik as the interim defensive line coach. Um, and, you know, he was kind of coaching out of position. He's more of an outside linebacker. So he was hired as the special teams coach. Okay. So he'd really never coached defensive line. So a lot of these defensive linemen were, you know, really playing, you know, with some, some poor technique. They even brought mm-hmm. in Pete Jenkins to kind of help with the defensive line. We're talking about, uh, you know, 85-year-old veteran guru defensive line guy just to help with some technique on the defensive line because it was so bad. But Makai Wingo was not one of the ones who who was really part of the problem. He he really was a bright spot this year for the defensive line. That that's good to hear. That we have those. It was almost it was very similar when we were talking about Javon Dexter last season. Around this time, I did a podcast on him about. Bears potentially drafting him, and then they ended up drafting him. But same thing, Florida's defense was so bad, and everyone just kept being like, it's really hard. Like, he played well, and he was what people had to pretty much game plan and scheme solely around this one player. So it's really hard to tell how good he is or how good he can be because he didn't have the opportunity. He was doing everything. He was getting double teamed. He just didn't have the chance to really uh, stack up his stat sheet or for you to fully see what he can be. And then this season, we kind of did start to see that from Javon, and I could see – uh, Wingo kind of being one of those similar, a similar type guy. Once you see him get and you put him on a line that he has some help, maybe you'll start seeing these flashes a little bit quicker. Uh, yeah. But uh, Preston, thank you again for hopping on. I really, I really appreciate this. I know uh, several of these guys, Bears fans, are looking at. So I, I enjoyed this. All right. Thank you for having me. Yep. No problem. You have a good day. Oh, you too.
Thank you to Preston Guy. Again, he covers LSU football and recruiting at Tiger Bait. Uh, so several names there. I know a lot of people are not looking at Jaden Daniels. People are either Caleb or Justin pretty much, not much beyond that. But both Brian Thomas and Malik Neighbors definitely could be in the wheelhouse for the Bears. And it's two receivers that I think could make impact pretty quickly. Um, as he mentioned how good that LSU offense was last season. They both have different, they're both different type of receivers. So it'll be interesting which way the Bears feel like they want to go. Not saying they'll draft one of these because, you know, we, we're talking, there's a lot of receivers in this draft that I feel like people are pointing at. But this is definitely two that we're talking about. Uh, Wingo, definitely smaller, six, uh, six foot. We saw a lot of stuff from him. Uh, as he mentioned, very similar to Devon Dexter, where he just didn't quite, his numbers probably would be a lot better if, let's say, he was on one of, let's say, Michigan's defense last season and he was playing with all of the guys that were on Michigan. Probably would have looked a little different, but unfortunately he was on a very bad and what we just learned there, undercoached and unprepared almost defense because of the way they kind of had to shuffle things around and uh, they weren't getting the coaching they needed. So it'll be interesting to see how this goes. This podcast series is um, almost wrapping up, as in just uh, the quarterbacks that I'm going to talk about. But uh, we'll continue on. We're a month away, a little over a month away from free agency. So that will happen. Uh, We'll have the combine right before that. So we'll be hearing even more stuff around that time. Um, But for the next three, four weeks or so, we will get into a little bit more draft talk and what the possibilities of the Bears may B, we will see if the Bears end up making some crazy move. Uh, uh, March, I think it was March last year that they made the trade with the Panthers, so I'm not expecting that to happen this month, but rumors swirling everywhere. We heard um, some stuff from Jackson Smith and Jigba today on Shane Waldron, so I do want to get into that. I really want to try and find somebody to chat with me about Shane Waldron. I've been working on that uh, because I want to get to know him a little bit more and that's what he was able to do, especially in Seattle, because that's what we're kind of basing a lot of things off of. But um, we'll get to more of that. We have a long off season. It's going to be wild. It's going to be crazy. So just hold on. Buckle up. There's going to be rumor after rumor. and You're going to be mad and happy and every day, probably your opinion and thoughts and um, feelings towards situations and what you think is going to happen is going to change almost daily because of everything happening in the Bears world. But we will continue this on. Again, thank you, everybody, for joining me. This is Making Monsters. I'm Tyler Dahl.